Good evening to you. It is good to see each and every one of you out tonight. We're so very thankful that you've come to be a part of our midweek Bible study. I'm looking forward to what the Lord has for us this evening. And so if you're here in the sanctuary, you're listening to us online, um, I'm convinced that the Lord is ready to speak to us if we're ready to listen. And so let's always be ready to um, receive from the Lord what He has for us. You know, and the, and the best way that I know how to do that is just go to the Lord in prayer and ask Him to have His way, to have His will, and to do the work that only He can do in the hearts and lives of people. And so let's bow our heads together tonight, and we'll start with a word of prayer, then we'll get into our study. Father God, we love you. We thank you, Lord, for who you are and for what you've done. We want to thank you for answered prayer tonight. I want to thank you that you hear us when we choose to pray. I want to thank you, Lord, that you've blessed us like you have with grace, mercy, love, and forgiveness. And I'm glad all of it came freely through the cross. I'm glad tonight, Lord, that you are exactly who you claim to be. And Lord, I'm thankful that you love us like you do. Lord, I'm asking that you would speak to us clearly from your word tonight. We believe, Lord Jesus, that you certainly have a plan and purpose for everyone here, for everyone listening. And we know, Lord, that you want to speak if we are ready to listen. So ready our hearts. God, may we come with open hearts and, and, uh, and open minds tonight, ready to receive what you have for us. Forgive us, Lord, when we failed you. I want nothing I do to be a hindrance. Lord, I want to be a help this evening. And Holy Spirit, I'm asking that you would fill me up and pour me out in the lives of these people. God, have your way and have your will. And Lord, I'm praying that we be different when we leave here than we were when we came. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, tonight what I want to do before we get started into our Bible study, and, and I hope that we have time to get there, I just first of all want to give credit where credit is due. And I want to always give praise unto the God we serve because he continually, eternally deserves our praise. Do you believe that tonight? Do you believe he's the only one worthy of our honor and glory? Folks, I want you to know that God is not lacking in honor and God is not lacking in glory. But that don't mean I, want, I don't want to give it to him. I want to continually praise him for who he is and for what he's done. And this week, he has answered a prayer that I, for one, have been praying for a, for a very long time. And I'm so very thankful for it. And um, I see the Lord moving in that situation, and it's a fantastic thing. Now, what I'm talking about is the opinion that was leaked from the Supreme Court of the United States of America this week concerning Roe versus Wade. Have any of you heard about that? I'm sure most of you have. Most of you know what Roe versus Wade is. And if you don't, Roe versus Wade was the Supreme Court case that legalized abortion in all of the states of the United States of America, America made it nationally legal. And um, for that happened in 1973. And since that time, I want you to think about this now. I want, I want you to let this roll around upstairs just a little bit. Since 1973 until today, the most conservative estimates is that 60 million babies have been aborted in this country. That's on the low end. Some of the higher estimates that I've heard is about 68 to 70 million babies. Six, we're just going to use 60 though tonight because I want you to really think about how serious um, 
the, the sin of abortion really is. On average, if 60 million babies have been aborted in the last 49 years, on average, that's 1,224,490 babies in a year's time. That's 3,351 babies a day over the last 49 years. That's 140 babies an hour on average over the last 49 years in this country. Now, I want you to think about that. On average, 140 babies an hour being aborted in this country. Children in their mother's womb being ripped limb from limb in this country. Now, if that don't bother you, I don't know what will. If that don't stir you, then I don't know what will. I'm so very thankful um, that the opinion that was leaked, and it's not a final decision yet for the Supreme Court, it can change, but the opinion that was leaked is overturning Roe versus Wade. The Supreme Court is planning to do so, and I hope and pray that that continues, and I want you to continue to pray um, that the right decision is made sooner rather than later. Now, I want to tell you something, folks. Before we get into our Bible study, I want to talk to you just a moment about the problem of abortion. Now, it's, going to, it's my purpose, it's my plan over the next, next three to four or five weeks to talk about some of the problems that we have in our nation at this current time and what God's Word says about it. We're going to talk about a lot of the hot button issues and abortion is just one of them. And when I heard that decision that was leaked earlier this week, then I just felt led to talk to you about that tonight before we go any further. Now, abortion is a problem for our nation, if you believe it, say amen. Like I said, 60 million babies over the last 49 years have been aborted. 60 million. I just cannot um, get over that number. Abortion is a black spot on the soul of our great nation. And I want to tell you something, folks. I personally believe that we have forfeited a lot of the blessing of God because we have allowed abortion to take place over these last 49 years. I, I was thinking just the other day, America is about to celebrate her 246th birthday in just a couple of months, and, and I'm so thankful for that. In that 246 years, America has been blessed immensely by God. And, and relatively speaking, that's a pretty short amount of time when you're talking about the nations of the world, when you're talking about uh, the nations that, um, that have been here as long as they have. America is the youngster on the block when it comes to time that they've actually been uh, a nation. But in that short time, I want you to understand that we have provided and have came to the greatest standard of living the world has ever known. I mean, the world has never even uh, seen anything like what has happened with the United States of America, especially in the short time that it has happened. It's amazing what God has done. Let me tell you why I believe God has blessed America like he has. It's because America was founded upon the principles of God's precious word. America was founded by godly men who loved the Lord and followed the Lord. Now, you don't have to take my word for that. I, I don't want you just to take my word for it. I want you to do your own research. If you don't believe me, 
Go back and read what these great men wrote. Go back and read what James Madison wrote. Go back and read what Ben Franklin wrote about God and country. Go back and read what uh, George Washington wrote about God and country. Go back and read what Abraham Lincoln said in the Gettysburg Address. Go back and read what these great men of God actually said and look at what they did. How many of you know you can really tell what's in a person's heart, not just by what they say, but certainly by what they do. If you don't believe our nation was founded by Christ followers, I'm not talking about perfect men. I'm talking about men saved by grace. Amen? And I want, I want you to say something. I love this country and I'm a patriot. But I do understand this country is not perfect and it never has been perfect. We've done wrong things and we continue to do wrong things. But I'm just telling you, it was founded upon the principles of God's precious word by godly men. And God has blessed our nation because of that. He truly has. Now, you don't have to just, again, take my word. Go to Washington, D.C. and walk around and look at the buildings these men built. Go and look at the scripture that's engraved in walls and pictures depicting the love, grace, and mercy of God. I've been there and saw it for myself. And if you'll go and look at it yourself, you'll see exactly what I'm talking about. It's everywhere. Read the writings of these men who founded our nation. It's important that you do so because a lot of this stuff is not being talked about anymore. It's not being celebrated anymore. It's not being taught in our schools anymore. And, and a lot of people, especially young people, don't even know that to be true. But it certainly is. Now, let me tell you this. I believe if we continue to adhere to what this country was founded upon, we can expect God's blessing. However, if we choose to go our own way and do our own thing like we have been doing for so long now, then we automatically take ourselves out from under the hand of God's blessing. And it's not really that God don't want to bless our nation. I believe he does. He has in the past. I believe he still wants to do so. It's not necessarily that he don't want to, but he can't for he himself is holy. He can't bless that which is contradictory to what his truth says. And so I again believe that the scourge of abortion has caused us to forfeit many of the great blessings that God wanted to give us, that God could have gave us. But we missed out because we chose to do our own thing and go our own way. So an abortion is truly, folks, um, a black spot on the soul of our nation. It is a problem for our nation. Not only, this is what blows my mind though, this is what gets me. This is what ought to bother you. Not only have we allowed abortion, we've celebrated it. I remember, I guess it was just last year, maybe year before last, when the New York State Legislature passed the law that said a baby could be aborted the day before birth. The whole gallery stood up and applauded. Mother Teresa once said it's a sad thing when women applaud killing their own babies. 
And we saw it firsthand from a state legislature in our country. That's a problem. Not only that we have allowed it, but celebrated it. Not only have we allowed and celebrated it, listen, we profited by it. For a long time, we've given money, to tax dollars, my money and your money, to an organization called Planned Parenthood that was selling aborted baby parts. That's not, that's not even up for debate. That's proven. There's video evidence of the, that very thing happening. It's amazing to me. God is not pleased and will never be pleased with those type actions. It's a problem for our nation, but let me tell you something else. And this is what I really want you to see. It's a problem for Christ followers. It's a problem for Christ followers because abortion itself is unscriptural and that's enough. That's enough. I just want to give you three or four scriptures tonight that's going to prove to you. There's many more than just three or four. But I'm just going to give you three or four that has really drove this point home for me as a Christ follower, as I look to the word of God and see what God says about the very subject. How many know, if you want to know what God says about a subject, it's found in his word. And it's found in his word, the subject of abortion in Psalm 139. Let's turn over there just a moment. And I'm going to read to you the first 16 verses. Psalm 139, starting with verse 1. O Lord, you have, you have searched me and you've known me. I love that. You know God knows everything about you. He knows what's good about you. He knows what's bad about you. He knows your deepest, darkest secrets and your greatest successes. God knows everything about you and God knows everything about me. Now, this is the amazing thing about God. Do you know that God knowing everything about you still chooses to show you love, grace, and mercy? Do you know that God's compassions do not fail? Do you know that God loves you right now with an everlasting love? That's amazing to me. He knows everything about me. I'm going to be honest with you. There's a lot of stuff I know about me that I don't love. That makes me unlovable to myself and to others. But the Bible says God knows everything about me, yet he still chooses to love us. He searched me. And he's known me. You know my my sitting down and my rising up. You know where I, you, you know my my actions, what I'm doing. He, you, you understand my thoughts afar off. You comprehend my path and my lying down, and are acquainted with all my ways. For there is not a word on my tongue. And behold, O oh Lord, you know it all together. So the Bible says that God knows what we're going to do before we do it, what we're going to say before we say it, and where we're going to go before we get there. Look at this. He then says in verse five, "You have hedged me behind and before, and laid your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful." for me. Really what King David is saying right here in this psalm is Lord this knowledge that you've, you've, uh, you've given me here of who you are and truly what you know about every part of my existence. It's too much for me to even fathom. Lord you're blowing my mind with how big and how good you are. God is all knowing. 
We say that he is omniscient, and the Bible says that right here in these first six verses. Verse seven says, where can I go from your spirit, or where can I flee from your presence? If I ascend into heaven, you are there, or if I make my bed in hell, behold, you are there. Wherever we go in this universe, the presence of God is there. He's not only omniscient, but he's omnipresent. There's nowhere we can go that we can hide from God. I can hide from you, and you can hide from me. I mean, well, that's not that hard. It's not. But none of us can hide from the all-knowing, omnipresent God that is being spoken about here in Psalm 139. He searched us, and he's known us. Because he knows all and he sees all, for he's everywhere at all times. It's amazing. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me and your right hand shall hold me. If I say, surely the darkness shall fall on me, even the night shall be light about me. Look what he says in verse 12. Indeed, the darkness shall not hide from you, but the night shines as the day, and the darkness and the light are both alike to you. There were times in my life when I frequented places I shouldn't have been going. And what I always found about those places that I knew I shouldn't have been going, they were always dark. They weren't well lit. And I think the reason that is is because a lot of people didn't want uh, people to know they were there or see what was going on. They were more comfortable in the dark than being in the light. Amen? Well, the psalmist just says here, no matter how dark it is, the darkness is like the day to the Lord. He sees it all. Amazing. For you formed my inward parts. You covered me in my mother's womb. I will praise you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. If you, if you believe it, say amen. So the psalmist is saying that it is God who forms us in the womb of our mother. The psalmist is saying that not one of us are accidents. You may have thought all your life you're an accident. You're not. You may have been told all your life you're an accident. You're not. It is by the sovereign will of God that you are here today, that you exist, and you are fearfully, and everybody say wonderfully, Wonderfully made. There may be parts of you that you don't like. However, you are fearfully and wonderfully made. There may be parts of you that don't match up to what you see in the magazine. However, you are fearfully and wonderfully made. There may be parts of you, like there is for every one of us, that don't look just right to us when we look at them in the mirror, but you are fearfully and wonderfully made. You're not an accident. You are created and fashioned by God for his purpose. Stop looking at yourself through the eyes of how other people see you or even how you see yourself. That don't matter. 
What matters is how God sees you. And he sees you as being fearfully and wonderfully made. Amen? There should never be for the child of God any issue with you being fearfully and wonderfully made. Believe what God says about you and quit listening to what society says or anybody else or anybody else. How many of you know our worth is not dictated by how many likes you get on the social media page, whatever it is? It's not because none of that stuff is real. None of that stuff matters. Most of it is ridiculous. Amen? So don't let that control you. Don't let that make you too high and don't let it bring you too low. Because it's not real. Don't allow, allow the image that the world tries to put on women or men keep you from being all that God wants you to be and keep you from feeling like God loves you and has made you for a purpose according to his plan. Are you getting me? You are fearfully and wonderfully made. And we're made by God in our mother's womb. Look what he says. Marvelous are your works, verse 14, and that my soul knows very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in secret and skillfully, skillfully wrought in the lowest parts of the earth. Your eyes saw my substance being yet unformed, and in your book they were all written, the, uh, they were all written the days fashioned for me when as yet there were none of them. That means God had a plan, God had a purpose, and by his creative sovereign power, he created you, he made you, you're not an accident. You're here for a reason. Amen? And it's God that brought you here. It's God that brought you here. Isn't that good news? And all of that began in the mama's womb. Now, let me ask you something. According to Psalms 139, 1 through 16, can abortion ever be scriptural? Can it? Not according to what God's word says. Isn't that what we believe? Isn't that what we find as our foundation? Isn't that what we build our life upon? Absolutely. So abortion is a problem for Christ followers who try their best by the power of God to live according to the truth of the word of God. It's a problem for us. I heard today, and I just heard just a moment of it, riding down the road, and, I, and the radio kind of cut out and messed up, and you get to hear the rest of it. But I heard someone say, that in Washington, D.C., there was today um, a, uh, what's it called? Protest by pro-choice pastors. That is an oxymoron. Those two things don't go together. If you are pro-choice, don't call yourself a pastor. You are an imposter. You're in the wrong business, preaching the wrong message and confusing a lot of people. And by all means, get out of the pulpit before the judgment of God falls on you. Or repent and get your heart right. 
There's no such thing as a pro-choice pastor. Let me say this. I can't see there being a such a thing as a pro-choice Christian. If you know the facts. If you know the facts. Now, a lot, of, a lot of people, I truly believe, have had the wool pulled over their eyes and don't know all the facts. We're going to talk about that in just a moment. But I'm just telling you, as far as Scripture is concerned, abortion is a problem for a Christ follower. Let me give you another one. Luke 141. Luke chapter 1, verse number 41. Watch what this says. Luke 1, verse number 41, please. Now, let me set the stage for you. Mary, the mother of Jesus, has just found out she's about to bear the Lord Jesus Christ, being a virgin. You remember the angel of the Lord came to Mary and said, the child that is with you in you, um, it's, it's of the Holy Ghost, and you're going to be the mother of the Son of God and God the Son. And so whenever she hears this, she goes to meet with her cousin Elizabeth. Now, when she's on her way to meet Elizabeth, this happens. And it happened when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary. When she heard Mary speak, watch, that the babe leaped in her womb. Now the baby that's in the womb of Elizabeth, the cousin of, the, of Mary, the mother of Jesus, is John the Baptist, the forerunner for Christ. So John the Baptist, even hearing the words of Mary, the mother of Christ, and sensing, I believe, that the Son of God and God the Son was near, as a baby in the womb, leaped for joy. Now, does that sound like a fetus to you? That's what we call it, isn't it? Does that sound like a a clump of cells to you? That's what they call it. Does that sound like a baby who has, um, who, who is truly not alive and well and able to sense what's going on around? To you, it don't to me. Sensing the presence of the Lord, the babe, the first person to welcome the Lord Jesus on planet earth in the flesh was a baby that was still in the womb. Why? Because there's life there. There's life there. It's more than just a clump of cells. It's more than just fetal tissue. There's life there. A life that is completely separate from the mother. I was listening just this past week to an OBGYN, well-respected and known, that has his own ministry going around and teaching about when life begins. And it absolutely blew me away. Because for years, we've heard on national news sources and we've heard in school and we've heard everywhere that by everybody, politicians and, and, and all kind of different people, that nobody knows when life begins. He says, that's a lie. He said, that's a complete fabrication of the truth and people who've studied what I've studied know the difference. He said, we know life begins at conception. If you would like 
to hear that, what I want you to do is look up Family Talk with Dr. James Dobson, and I believe the, the, um, the episode you need to look for was last Tuesday, last Monday or Tuesday, not, not yesterday, but last week. Go and look that up and listen to it for yourself. I'm not a doctor, so I don't want to mess up what he says. I want you to go listen for it, to it for yourself. He says, we know life begins at conception. And in that moment, in that moment, there is already a baby, just small, but it's there, in the womb of the mother. Okay? You can go and read for yourself in Jeremiah chapter 1 and verse 5 how the Bible says that God spoke to Jeremiah the prophet in the womb. But I want, to, I want you, brother, if you will, please, to put for me Isaiah 44 and 2 on the screen and look how Isaiah the prophet speaks of the nation of Israel. Thus says the Lord who made you and formed you from the, moon, the, from the womb, who will help you. Fear not, O Jacob, my servant. Now he's talking to Jacob, and when the Bible uses Jacob here, it's talking about the nation of Israel the Jewish people. And he says, thus says the Lord who made you. Everybody say made you. And formed you. Everybody say formed you. And he said, I did it from the womb. So would you agree with me tonight, scripturally speaking, that abortion is a big problem for the Christ follower? It is if we're going to go by the word of God. God's word does not teach it. God's word is not for it. We are fearfully and wonderfully made for a purpose. Now, anybody who messes with that is going against God's purpose and plan. Would you agree? Abortion is not only a problem for a Christ follower, but abortion is a big problem for politicians. Big problem. I heard years ago, and maybe you heard it too, Barack Obama was asked about his feelings on abortions, where his stand was, and he said that it was above his pay grade to determine where life begins. Well, I wish he'd have called that brother that's an OGBYN in Florida because he could have told him. Matter of fact, Anybody with the same training in biology and anatomy could have told him. And the truth is, if they're honest, they've been told. We know now that as a baby in the mama's womb, a baby that can even be operated on while still in the womb. I read just the other day where there was brain surgery done on a baby in the womb to remove a brain tumor. The baby lived, was born, is doing great. Why were they able to do surgery on a baby in a mama's womb? Because there's a baby in the mama's womb. Are you getting me? There's a little human being in the mama's womb. And for so long we've been told that that's not the case, but it is according to science, biology, anatomy, and everything we know from the scientific community, if they're honest. All right? 
So Chuck Schumer, just today, the Senate Majority Leader called the, dra the draft opinion of the uh, Supreme Court of the United States an abomination. And listen to what he says. The Supreme Court is poised to inflict the greatest restriction of rights in the past 50 years. Where in the Constitution of the United States of America does it ever say that a woman has a right to an abortion? That a woman has a right to kill the life that's on the inside of her? It doesn't say that. And that's what the draft opinion said. And that's why it's so important, powerful, and good. And that's what I, why I'm praying that that turns into a final decision. Now, it can change, but I'm glad we're on the right track. I'm thankful for it, and you ought to be as well, and you ought to be praying for it. This will save millions upon millions of lives. Our president, Joe Biden, just today said that in America, you should have the right to abort your child. Did you hear that? You should have the right to abort your child. Well, Mr. President, if it's a child, why are we aborting it? Why are we killing it? I mean, we've always been told, again, that that's fetal tissue, that it's a clump of cells, that it's really not a lot of life until it comes out of the womb. But if it's a child, Mr. President, what, then why are we aborting it? See, this is a problem for politicians when people start finding out the truth of what's actually going on. Let me give you two more verses. Isaiah 5 and 20. Isaiah 5, verse number 20. Woe to those who call evil good and good evil, who put darkness for light and light for darkness, who put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. Do you see that happening? It's a sad day. It's a sad day. We've got the Senate Majority Leader saying that it's an abomination to stop abortion in certain states. And that's all this is saying. It's not doing away with abortion. Hope it gets to that point. We'll talk more about that in a minute. It's a sad day when the President of the United States said that we ought to have the right to kill babies in the womb. It's a sad day when a group of legislators from, the, legislators from the state of New York stand up and clap because they passed the law that a woman could abort her baby one day before the date of birth. Woe to those who call good evil and evil good. Let me give you another one. Proverbs 29 and 2. When the righteous are in authority, the people rejoice. But when a wicked man rules, the people groan. Anybody feel like groaning? I mean, let's be honest. Do you? Me too. I'm sick of this. I'm so sick of this. It burdens me to see what's actually going on. Now, I understand this world's not my home. I understand that Jesus is still on the throne. I understand I'm just passing through. I understand all that, but I also hate to see a great nation fall to its knees because of ignorant people, wicked people. You said, Brother Israel, 
There's wickedness on both sides of the aisle. Amen to that. I agree with you. But I'm going to tell you something. This is certainly an issue where I draw the line. We can talk about some other stuff. We can talk about physical responsibility. We can talk about taxes. We can talk about stuff that, that you want to talk about politically speaking. But when it comes to this issue, the issue of life itself, I draw the line. That's where I say, I'm either on this side or I'm not on it. Are you getting me? And you ought to do the same thing if we're going to go by Scripture. You ought to do the same thing if we're going to please God. It's a problem for our nation. It's a problem for Christ's followers. It's a problem for politicians. It's a problem according to the Constitution. And that's what we say we're governed by. Y'all do realize we do not live in a democracy. We use the process of democratic elections to elect our leaders and pass our laws. But we live in a constitutional republic. We're to be governed by a set of laws that every citizen in the United States of America are under. And that's a good thing. It's not a bad thing. It's a great thing. Now, from what I've read, we're given the right to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Life. Life. If we know there is life in the womb, biologically speaking, if we know there's life in the womb, if we know that, we can scientifically prove that, and we can if we know it, then that baby has rights. And that mama does not have the right to take the life of the life in her womb. Are you getting me? It's a problem there. A problem that I'm hoping and praying is fixed sooner rather than later. Will you join me? Let's pray for this. Let's thank God for the progress that's been made and hope that it continues. You said, brother, you've been too political tonight. Well, get used to it. <laughs> We've got to call right, right, and wrong, wrong. I don't know how to separate my Christianity from my political leanings. How do you do it? If I'm going to live out my faith, I must vote my convictions. If I'm going to live out my faith, I must stand with those who are in the right and I must stand against those who are in the wrong. And we know who's in the right and we know who's in the wrong according to the standard of the word of God. Now I know the lines get blurred. I get it. I understand. But again, this is an issue where I draw the line. Where we must draw the line. I'm not trying to preach politics. I'm trying to share with you we live in a wicked world and we've got to be willing to stand for what's right. If we don't, if we don't, then what are we even doing? 
if we don't speak out, then how can we make a difference? I want to make a difference, don't you? Absolutely. Now, I started this tonight. I was planning on doing this on Sundays. But I started tonight because of what's happened earlier this week, and I'm not going to be here Sunday. Now, the next time we come together, we're going to talk about the issue of same-sex marriage and what God's Word says about it. Where should we stand? What should we believe? As a Christ follower, where do we stand on these issues? Because we've got to make a decision. And we've got to know what God's Word says about it if we're going to make the right decision. So, we'll talk about that not this Sunday, but next Sunday. Okay? This Sunday, you've got a, uh, you've got a blessing coming, I'm telling you. I was thankful to be able to get Brother Keith Box, our Director of Missions here in Marion County, and the former pastor of South Hamilton Baptist Church, to come and preach for you Sunday morning. So don't miss that. Invite somebody to come with you. I absolutely love Brother Keith. He's been such an inspiration to me, a mentor to me for many years. He prays for me every Sunday. Every Sunday he texts me and says, Brother, I'm praying for you today, praying for your church. I'm so thankful for him. Just loves the Lord and loves people. He'll be here with you Sunday morning at 11. And again, invite somebody to come with you. I promise you, you won't regret it. It's going to be good. So he'll be with you Sunday morning. And then you've got another treat next Wednesday night. One of the greatest teachers I know is right here in this church. And that's Nathan Chandler. And he's going to be sharing with you the message next Wednesday night in our Bible study. So come be here for that next Wednesday evening at 7. He'll be teaching to you the Word of God. Me and Brandy are leaving this weekend, Saturday. We're going to a pastor's conference in Gatlinburg, Tennessee, and we'll be there through Thursday and be back Thursday evening. So uh, pray for us as we travel, and we'll be praying for you as you worship, okay? Anything else before we close? I'm not going to go into the 1 Corinthians tonight. We're just going to let that be, be it.